Elijah, we've been looking at the story of Elijah. Some of the episodes in his life. We're in 1 Kings 19 today. And as we read this text, I want you to notice that what we're looking at, there's a lot of geography. It's talking about where Elijah is and where he runs to and where he goes and so forth. But it's really a spiritual journey. Elijah is going through some incredible physical, emotional, and spiritual ordeals. And let's read about it now as I read the text in 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets of Baal with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying it is enough now. O Lord, take away my life, for I am no, long, no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat. For the journey is too great for you. And he arose and ate and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Then he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken their covenant thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword and I even I am left and they seek my life to take it away and he said go out and stand on the mount before the Lord and behold the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken their covenant, thrown down your idols, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel to be king over Syria, and Jehu you shall anoint to be the king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Haziel shall 
Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. Wow, what a difference from last week. Last week, Elijah was confronting the prophets of Baal, praying to the Lord to show that the Lord God was the true God of Israel. And the Lord sent fire, thus proving that he was. And Elijah fulfilled the commandment of the law that the false prophets should be put to death. And so he put the 450 prophets of Baal to death. And it was a victory. God's people rejoiced. They had rebuilt the altar. They had established once again. In Israel, their covenant faithfulness to the Lord. It had been revival meeting. It had been a high time. They'd been on a peak of the mountain in Mount Carmel, which is in the northern region of the Holy Land, north of Israel, back where um, Galilee is in the New Testament era. And now, once Ahab reported back to his wicked wife Jezebel what had happened, she swore an oath that she would, within 24 hours, have the life of Elijah. And the Bible says he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba. You know where Beersheba is? It's at the southernmost frontier of the land of Israel, Judah. You couldn't get any further south in the land than Beersheba. It's right on the edge of the desert, the wilderness. He left his servant there. Then he kept running. He went another day's journey into the wilderness and he sat down. He was exhausted. He was exhausted. He was fearful. He was depressed. Almost despondent. And this mighty man of prayer who had prayed and the Lord heard his prayer and shut up the heavens for three years. This man whose prayer the Lord had heard and had raised the widow's son from the dead, this prophet who had prayed and the Lord had opened the heavens and brought rain again, after he had prayed the mighty prayer, that God would send the fire to the altar and burn up the sacrifice. Now he's praying again. And this time he's praying that the Lord would end his life. Basically, he said, I've had enough. It is enough now. He was ready to draw the double line and count up the score and cash it in. 
sincere. How did the Lord minister to him? The Lord knows our frame, doesn't he? He knows that we are a psychosomatic unity. And so often what happens to us spiritually is the result of what has happened to us emotionally and what has happened to us physically. We are inextricably bound together. We are a single being. And so the Lord began to minister to each facet of Elijah's nature. First, physical. He went to sleep. He rested. We don't know how long he did, but he said he went to sleep. And when he had had what seemed to be enough sleep, the Lord sent his angel to tap him on the shoulder to wake him up and said, rise and eat. And he prepared before him a meal, a good meal. Elijah ate and drank, restoring the physical body. <laughs> and then he went back to sleep. He was exhausted. He had had these emotional experiences. He had been running for about three to five days. He went back to sleep. And after a period of time, the Lord sent his angel to tap him on the shoulder and said, Arise, eat. Sometimes you don't get to step two dealing with emotional and spiritual problems till you're able to take care of physical issues. Sometimes we've learned that that's really our problem. We may think we're having a spiritual problem when it's just we need some nutrition, we need some rest. We may even need a little sunshine. Something to rejuvenate the body that in its dynamics created in the image of God is made for us to respond to all that around that God has provided. When God told the man in the garden, said, I've given you every green herb. It's to sustain. It's to restore health. Elijah needed that first. And that's what the Lord gave him. And he told him, said, you better really get a lot out of this meal because you're going to need to go in the strength. And he said, he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of the Lord 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. That's 200 miles from Beersheba across the desert of Paran and across and into the Sinai Desert, going on down further and further south. 200 miles, if you're running or even walking, you can make it in a few days. He took 40 days, which tells us he was going through the emotional recovery. He was pacing. He was wandering. He was thinking it through. He was working it out. No doubt he was praying. He went 40 days and 40 nights through the same terrain that the children of Israel under Moses had gone. And he came to Horeb, the Mount of God, the Mount Sinai, 
and he got in a cave there. And then the Lord began to deal with him. The Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? That's one of those questions you'll find in the Bible just sort of stand out. One of those questions that we could take some time and reflect on in our own lives. If you ask yourself, what are you doing? And what are you doing here? Penetrating question. Important question. How do you see it, Elijah? What do you understand your situation and your condition to be? Where are you spiritually, emotionally? I think the Lord wants us to be pensive, thoughtful, and reflective. Now, I know you can be carried to an extreme. You can get to where you stare at your theological navel so long that you become completely cross-eyed. But the Lord wants us, I believe, to contemplate our condition and ask yourself, what am I doing here? He gave an answer, and it described his circumstances. This is how he saw his situation. God's people had forsaken the Lord torn down the altars, and he alone stood for the Lord. He, he was isolated. He was alone. He was holding out God's cause, and he was standing alone. And he just couldn't bear that kind of pressure and that kind of position anymore. And so the Lord continued to deal with him very, very sweetly. And he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. Now, we don't know exactly where this place was, but if it's a cave and he was ordered to go stand before the mount and the scripture says, behold, the Lord passed by. Do you remember Moses? Where he asked the Lord to show him a glimpse of his glory. And the Lord told Moses, I can't do that. Nobody can see the Lord and live. But he said, I will do this. You hide in the cleft of the rock. You protect yourself there. And I will pass by. And when I pass by, I will do two things. I will only let you see my distant departing backside. And I will hold my hand over you so that this will not slay you. And this is what the Lord did for Elijah. How dramatic is this? This is really what Elijah needs spiritually to be put back on his feet. He needs a fresh glimpse of the Lord. Now the interesting thing is that the ways in which God manifests himself to Moses... And to others are still manifestations. There was a wind that was so strong it tore the rocks up. Think about that. that that's a tornado is what that is. That's not your average straight line wind. Tore the rocks up. 
on the mountain. But the Lord was not in that wind. Then there was an earthquake. Those are scary enough. I was in California about 25 years ago, and it was just a small one, they said. It was big enough for me. But the Lord was not in that manifestation. And then there was fire. How often in Scripture, from the burning bush forward, does the Lord manifest Himself in the fire? But the Lord was not in the fire. It says, and then after the fire, there was the sound of a low whisper. Just a zephyr. Just the soft breath of the Spirit of God. And God was in the still, small voice. And when you've been traumatized, like Elijah had been traumatized, when you're exhausted, when you're flat in despondency, you don't need the thundering and the lightning and the earthquake from Sinai. You've been brought low enough already. What you need is the soft whisper of the Spirit of God. The zephyr, the little breeze, the gentle that brings comfort. I think Paul might have had this in mind in Romans 8 when he talks about the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit bringing the assurance, bringing the reality. We don't know what the voice said. I wouldn't be surprised if all the Lord said to Elijah was, Elijah, I love you. You're mine. And after this experience, He heard the voice of the Lord, and this time the Lord asked the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he gave the same answer. His circumstances had not changed. What had changed was his spiritual condition. He had been rescued. He had been saved from that awful depression that caused him to pray that his life would be ended. And the Lord asked him the question again, and the, the question is, what are you doing here, Elijah? In other words, maybe you should be somewhere else. Maybe there's something else for you to do. And that's exactly what the Lord did. Verse 15 says, The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. Here's a man who wasn't only ready to give up the ministry, he was ready to give up on life. And the Lord had sustained him and restored him. 
and taken him to that place where like Moses, he had seen the Lord and that would give him strength for much more. We're not near at the end of Elijah's life. Many dramatic and wonderful things happened in the next chapters here in 1 Kings about the life of Elijah. This was a, a midpoint in his ministry. This was not the end of his ministry. This is when the Lord restored him to, to greater works even. And he gave him an assignment. Sometimes that's what we need, isn't it? We need just some assignment that comes from the Lord to know that we're his. He has us in his care and he's given us something to do and he wants us to do it and he wants us to be reflective and ask ourselves the question what are you doing and he gave him an assignment and the assignment was to anoint three people anoint the new king of Syria anoint the new king of Israel and then to find and anoint his successor, Elisha, a prophet who would follow in Elijah's footsteps and would really have a double portion. Whatever Elisha did, Elijah did. If you read it, Elisha did twice as much in that area. He had a double portion of the blessing of the Lord from, from Elijah upon him. The Lord had given him assignment. He had given him something to do. And then he tells about the effectiveness of these people. They will be this king of Syria, this king of Israel, this prophet will be in God's hands. They will accomplish those things that they need to do. They will execute judgment. You're worried about the illegalities of things. The Lord says, I'll take care of it. One of the things the Lord takes care of in short order is Jezebel. The Lord assures him that he's sovereign, he's in control. And then finally he says... Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. In other words, the Lord promises Elijah that not only is there work to do, not only is he sovereignly in control, not only would he bring justice and righteousness with the sword as needed according to the Lord, but the Lord will have a remnant. And I don't know if it's a literal 7,000 or whether that's just something. He says, I will leave 7,000. The Lord always has his remnant. And the term 7,000 is the perfection of a multitude. The number seven and the number thousand. In other words, the Lord has his people. The Lord has his own that he has brought to himself that he will keep. Elijah's ministry is to be aware of that and to minister to them and to not despair he's not alone in the ministry he's not alone in the service of the Lord he's not alone even though he feels like he is his circumstances he's not what a lift what a respite what a confidence all my life, if I've read material from ministers and the practice of ministry, almost every minister will have at least one moment in his life like this. 
This is how our loving Heavenly Father does business. This is how He takes care of His prophet. This is how He takes care of His people. This is how He takes care of you. He will take you from contemplating the end of your life to contemplating the never-ending life. 